you received a note-taking guide at the door. Did you get that? Do you, let me see them. Let me see them. Okay, excellent. Now, if you did not get one of those, it's okay. We can get one to you now. If you'll just raise your hand up high, and we have people in the back who will come down and bring one to you. So just keep your hand up until they get there. And uh, we've got a number over here and some up in the balcony as well. And so just hold on. They'll get those to you in just a second. That'll help you as you follow along today because we have a lot of content and a lot of passages of Scripture that you're going to want to have right in front of you because we're going to read a lot of them together out loud today. So I hope you're ready to participate. Last week, we got uh, started, well, actually, in the last two weeks, with laying the foundation for who we are and where we're going with the three key words of the New Testament we saw all throughout the writings of Paul, faith, hope, and love. And Paul says, but the greatest of these is love. And so that's what we're going to press in on today is that question of love. How do you define the word? Because we have so many confusing things in our society to, uh, today. People use it for all different types of things. People say, I love pizza, and I love hockey, or I love puppy dogs. I love my wife. Hopefully not in that order, right? And so it's a word that we use and misuse all of the time. But what does scripture say? Well, before we get into that, first of all, there are some popular misconceptions in our society today. And one of those misconceptions is, number one, that love is a feeling. That's what we're told, that love is a feeling. Oh man, I've got an ocean of emotion. I've got a quiver in my liver. I've got an itch in my hatch that I just can't scratch. I made that one up. Do you like that? And so, so we, we think that love is all goosebumps and butterflies. I'm in love. But see, the truth is maybe you just had bad pizza. You don't know. No, love does create feelings at times. But love in and of itself is not a feeling. Another lie that our culture tells us is that love is uncontrollable. There is this phrase that we use a lot in our society. You hear it on, uh, in movies and on TV, and uh, many times maybe we've even said this ourselves. We say this phrase, I fell in love. Like as if you tripped over a log or something. Oops, I fell in love. But the problem is with that expression is people think that that's kind of how it works. And so we also will say, how many times have you heard this? Well, I just can't help it. I fell what? Out. I fell what? Out of love. Have you ever heard that one? I fell out of love. As if somehow it's just something that's beyond our control. That's what culture tells us. But the Bible says something completely different. See, God says, number one, that love is a choice. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. It's on the screen and it is in your notes today. Let's read it out loud together. Colossians 3, 14 says, And over all these... Oh, are you with me? Here we go. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. See, God says that you can put on love. 
almost like when you get up in the morning and you go to your closet and you open the door to figure out what you want to wear for the day and you say, I'm going to choose to put on this outfit, that, that we can choose to put on love. Every day you get to choose what attitude you will put on when you walk out into the world. Because number two, love is action. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with what? With actions and in truth. Folks, words are easy. We can talk a big game, but real love is hard work. And so as Christians in our families and in our church and out in our community, how do we love like Jesus? In your notes, here are six different ideas of how to practically live out our love. And some of these are from Rick Warren. Number one, how to love like Jesus. Accept unconditionally. Number one, accept unconditionally. Read with me Romans chapter 15. Are we, can we get that? We're in number one, accept unconditionally. Do we not have it? Do we not have it? Uh, read with me Romans 15 verse 7. I guess we, I can't see. Do we not have that slide today? We don't. Okay, well, it's in your notes. If you don't have the slide, it is in your notes. Look at Romans 15 verse 7. You already, you already have it in your hand. Let's read it out loud together. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. That in order to bring praise to God, we have to accept others as we were accepted by Christ. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 8. It's in your notes. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, this is an interesting verse. There are three parts to this verse. First of all, there is a command. Live at peace with everyone. Doesn't that sound easy to just live at peace with everyone? How many of you think that sounds easy? It sounds almost impossible, doesn't it? To live at peace with everyone. Well, guess what? That's why it says, say it with me, if it is possible. Because we all know that there are certain people who make it impossible to live at peace with them. I was sure that I'd get a big amen there. <laughs> because we are commanded to live at peace with everyone, but it says, if it is possible, because there are some people who try to make it impossible to be at peace with them. But here's the key. As far as it depends on you. In other words, you can't help what they do, but you can help how you respond to what they do. And so, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone as much as it is possible. Does that make sense? Now, I want you to think about, though, for just a second, those people who make it impossible. Think about right now that person who is an irritator, that person who is a manipulator, that person who just makes your life miserable and you would love to avoid them if at all possible. Have you got the person in mind? Please don't say their name, okay? You might be sitting beside them. Here's what we need to consider. That many times the people who seem to deserve our love the least are the very ones who need our love the most. 
The people who seem to deserve our love the least, maybe because of how they treat us or how they treat others, their bad attitude, the things that they've done, the things that they've said, the very people who seem to deserve our love the least are many times the ones who need our love the most because the reason they are the way that they are is because the world has beat them up and they are responding, they are living out of their pain. And you say, but they're hurting so many people. You're right. But many times they're the ones who need your love the most because to love people who are impossible to be at peace with is to love like Jesus. Amen? Number two, commit personally. Commit personally. There is no such thing as love without commitment. Look at Romans 12, verse 17. Or, I'm sorry, verse uh, 12, verse 10. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Devotion, that is another word for commitment, isn't it? And so often, here is the problem. Without commitment, there can be no such thing as love. Look at Romans 12, verse 5. In Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs. Everybody say belongs. Each member belongs to all the others. Some people say, I want to be a Christian. I like Jesus, but I don't want to be part of Christ's church. In fact, even, I even had a conversation with someone just a few minutes ago out in the atrium before we came in this morning, and, uh, and they were saying that they had had a conversation with someone just this week who said this very thing, you know, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, but I don't want to be part of the church. But listen, the fact is this, whether you like it or not, if you are a believer, you belong to everyone else who is a believer. Look around this room. Whether you like it or not, these people are your family, amen? And so you better come each week to the family reunion as we grow together and as we seek God's will together because there is no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. Commitment means sticking around even when things get hard. And I wonder if some people have never truly experienced the depth of what love can be in their life, because every time things got hard, they ran away. Love cannot truly be experienced without commitment. Number three, encourage continually. Look in your notes at 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Here are two facts about every human being, every single person. Number one, everybody has a hurt, amen? Everybody has a hurt. We all carry pain from our past. We've all been hurt. And number two, because of that, everybody needs encouragement. And that's our job as Christians, to be an encouragement to people in the world, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7 says, If you love someone, you will always believe in him and always expect the best of him. 
Now, whatever you do, don't raise your hand to this question, okay? But I, I don't want it to get you in trouble, but I want you to think of someone, maybe it's your husband or your wife or your kids or your parents or someone who uh, maybe you're sitting beside today, who there is something about them that really irritates you. I'm so glad you didn't say amen. I thought somebody was going to get in trouble today. And so there's something that just really, I mean, if you could just change this one thing about that person, it would make your life so much better. Can you relate to that? I I said not to say amen. Okay, no, I'm kidding. No, let me tell you how to change the other person. Are you ready? I'm going to tell you how to change your, your husband, your wife, your children, your coworkers, your boss. Here's the secret. You can't. Isn't that sad? You can't change them. But here's what I can tell you. Here's the secret. Here's what you can do that can create an environment that paves the way for change in their life. Here's how you can help them change. Are you ready? Treat them the way you want them to become. As if it were already true. Treat them, raise the level of expectation for them. Say positive things about them. Believe the best for them, even when they don't believe the best in themselves. Speak words of encouragement. And as you speak those words about them as if they were true, sometimes people start to almost believe it about themselves and their behavior changes. There was a study done in which they they brought in uh, 10 different puzzles for people to do, a whole set of puzzles. And they had a sample group for this research study. And so they gave all the people in the group the exact same 10 puzzles. And then at the end, they gave them their results. But here's the thing, the researchers did not tell them the truth. They actually lied to the participants. They told half of the people, no matter how well or how poorly they had done, they told half the people in the group, you did a really bad job. You got most of the answers wrong. You know, you're really not very good at this. Then they took the other half of the group, no matter how they had done, no matter how poorly or how well they had done, they told the other half of the group, you did wonderfully. You're so good at this. You did a great job. So half the group they told you did poorly, half the group they told you did wonderfully. Then they took all of these people again, and they gave them 10 more puzzles, just like the first time, and what do you suppose happened? The people who had been told, you did a great job, even if they had not, the people who who had been told, you are really good at this, guess what? They did even better the next time around. And the people who had been told, you're not very good at this, every single one of them did worse the next time. Criticism ruined them. And here's the point. A pat on the back goes a whole lot further than a kick in the pants. Isn't that true? Now, sometimes we need a kick in the pants, don't we? (laughs) Sometimes we do. But in general, a pat on the back goes a lot further than a kick in the pants. You want somebody to do something, encourage them. And so in your home, does your wife get more compliments or more criticism? Your kids, do they get more strokes or do they get more pokes? When you speak words of blessing to people, they begin to bloom like flowers in the springtime. Number four, serve cheerfully. 
Here's how to be like Jesus. Let's read this out loud together. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It's in your notes and on the screen. Here we go, all together. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And Romans 12, 13 says, to share with God's people who are in need. Practice what? Hospitality. In other words, when you see a need, fill it. When you can do something to help someone, do it. Maybe it's something as picking up a small piece of trash and throwing it in the trash can or opening the door for a stranger or doing something like a service project for a school in the community. Or maybe it's something as big as giving your own life for someone. But see, God works miracles through generous loving people. People who aren't generous, God can't do much with them. But people who are generous and sacrificial and giving and loving and serving put themselves in a position to be changed and used by God to do great things. Shirley knows if I get a lot of encouragement, it goes really shorter because I know you're getting it. You remember, if, you, if I don't get encouragement, if I don't hear back from you, then I think you're not getting it. We'll be here all day, okay? Number five, forgive freely. Colossians 3 verse 13 says, bear with each other. Everybody say that. Bear with each other. Because sometimes bearing with each other is a real bear, isn't it? Urgh. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. There are two marks of a true Christian. Do you want to know if somebody is really living in, in, in the fullness of God's desire for their lives? There are two things that you will see in them. Number one, giving, and number two, forgiving. That, 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 that is it. Christ's love makes us givers and forgivers. That's how Jesus lived. He gave all he had, and he forgave all who would receive it. And why is it important for us to forgive? Because the way that we are wired as human beings, it is impossible for us to fully love one person when we are holding a grudge against another person. Let, let, me, let me explain what I mean, because that's a deep and profound thought. It is impossible to fully love one person when you're holding bitterness in your heart against another person. What will happen many times is, is, is we will hear, and maybe you've heard this, maybe you've said this yourself, but we will hear in counseling ses settings and, and in therapy or just in small groups in the church, and people will just get really honest and raw about their family and about their relationships. And sometimes people might say something like this, I know that I should have more love in my heart. I, I, I know that I should feel differently about my spouse or about my kids or about people in the community. And I know that I should care about people who are lost and dying and, and, and need Jesus. But I just don't feel the way. I don't, I don't love the way that I know that I should. And what happens many times is if you will go deeply into that person's life with some probing questions about the past, many times you will find that there is somewhere, someone in their past whom they have not forgiven. 
Maybe it was a parent or a former spouse or a brother or a sister or an employer, someone who hurt them, and they today are still holding on to bitterness in their heart about what that other person does. And because of that, they cannot fully love the people in their lives that they need to love today. I've heard the statistic that one out of every three women and one out of every seven men will be abused at some time in their life. Folks, we are walking around with massive heartache in this world today. We are the walking wounded. But until you go back and choose to forgive the pain of yesterday, you can never truly experience the joy of love today. And for some of you, maybe this is the most important thing you will hear all year. Because there's someone that you need to surrender to God and say, you know what, I'm going to let them off my hook. But God, I know they're still on your hook. It's not mine to repay. God is going to take care of it on my behalf. I will choose to forgive. Number six. Share Christ openly. In other words, tell people about Jesus. Invite people to church. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. I love this verse. Let's say it together. 1 Peter 3, verse 15. All together it says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is saying straight up, but do this with gentleness and respect. Here's what I think this is saying. When you talk to non-believers, don't hammer them over the head with the Bible. Okay, listen, you know what I'm talking about. People, Christians who walk around saying, brother, are you saved? You better turn or burn because you're going to fry when you die. Amen. <laughs> Does anybody ever say that around here? I don't know. But I hope not because, because what, what, what Peter tells us to do is when we share our faith, when we tell people about Jesus, when we explain to people this hope that we have as Christians, what makes us different from other people in the world, he says when you do that, do it with gentleness and with respect. Do people know that you respect them, that you're being gentle with them? Even the people who sometimes give you a hard time, even people who criticize your faith and tear you down. What is the single most loving thing that you could do for a person? Tell them about Jesus. That's why we need to be audio-visual Christians. Do you know what an audio-visual Christian is? It's someone who walks the walk and talks the talk. Audio-visual Christians. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 says, For Christ's love compels us. Everybody say that together. For Christ's love compels us. Say it again. For Christ's love compels us. Only about half of us are saying it. Come on. Let's make the room shake. Why do we do these things? For Christ's love compels us. Why are we going out this afternoon to share God's love on the city streets of, of Moncton? Because Christ's what? Love what? It compels us. 
Why do we, we want to help plant churches all across Atlantic Canada with the Wesleyan Church? Why do we have classes and groups? Why do we invite people to church? Why? For Christ's love, what? Compels us. And so maybe at times, if we are not compelled, we have to wonder, is there a problem in my life right now? concerning my relationship with Christ's love. For Christ's love compels us. How important is outreach to God? Jesus said, as the good shepherd, Jesus said that the good shepherd will leave, when he has a hundred sheep, leave the 99 who are safe at home to go after how many? One who is lost. That's how much outreach matters to Jesus That he says to leave the 99 who are safe here in order to go after the one who is lost. But how often do you hear Christians who will say, well, you know, at our church, we're not about quantity, we're about quality. Remember we talked last week about that tension, that that quality needs to come before quantity. And so some, some Christians will run so far to that that they'll say, you know, at our church, we just, you know, we're not concerned about people out there. Our people have enough problems in here. We're just, we're just concerned about taking care of our own because at our church, we're about quality. We're not about quantity. But think about that for a minute. Let's imagine that, that I go to the mall with, and have a whole bunch of kids and, and the kids go wandering off, and it's time to, to go home and to bring the kids home. And, and, I, and I go and I find one of all the kids, find one and come back to Tracy and say, well, you know, let's go. I found the quality kid. <laughs> you know, we can forget about the rest because we're about quality in our family, not about quantity. No, listen, folks, as long as there are people in New Brunswick who don't know Jesus, then Christ's love must compel us. Amen? Amen. Hey, fishermen out there, when you go fishing, do you want quality or do you want quantity? Do we not have any fishermen today? When When you go fishing, do you want quality or do you want quantity? When you go shopping, do you want quality or do you want quantity? Oh, so you say, I want both, right? Hopefully. When, when, it, when it comes to chocolate, guess which I want? Quality or quantity? Both. <laughs> I want both. But it's hard work reaching the lost. It means sacrifice. It means that things won't always be comfortable for us. But why do we make those sacrifices For Christ's love, what compels us? Just one more thought. Just one more thought. Far be it from from me to tell you how to raise your kids. But I'm going to offer a suggestion, though, for parents and grandparents here in the house today. Because I think so often the world has even influenced Christians in the church in how we approach parenting. That sometimes we think our job is to protect our kids from the world. When in fact our job is not to protect, it's to prepare. To, see, see, the world says that, that your job as parents and as grandparents and family, that our job as a community is to raise up kids who will learn to be successful in order to raise money and build a comfortable life. That's what the world says, but it's, but it's a lie. 
That's not our calling as, as Christians. Our job is not to raise up kids who will be successful and make lots of money in order to build a comfortable life. Our job is to raise up little world changers who will go out and make a difference for Jesus in the world. Amen? And maybe right now, maybe right now, the truth is you don't feel very loving. Maybe you're only worried about yourself and your own problems right now. I get it, because we've all got them. We all have hurts. We all have problems. But what if today we were to pray this bold prayer? Father, teach me to love as Jesus loves. How might that change things in our life? To pray, Father, help us to risk as Jesus risked. Help us to boldly reach out and make a difference like Jesus. What if we were to pray that kind of prayer today? Would you stand? And so, Father, we, your children here in this place today, we dare to pray that kind of prayer. Maybe when we pray this, we won't even know exactly how it's going to play out in our lives. But we trust you, God, that you're a good father. And that when you answer our prayer, your answer will be good, even if we don't see it, even if it makes us uncomfortable. And so if today you would be willing to say, I dare to pray, help me, Father, to love as Jesus loves. Would you raise your hand? Say, we're going to pray that together, to love as Jesus loves. Amen. Heavenly Father, that's what we ask today. That you would grow us in our acceptance of others, even those we disagree with, even those who live a sinful lifestyle that is contrary to your word, that they would know more than anything that we love them. That we would forgive those who have wronged us from our past that we would let go of that bitterness, that we would have a servant's heart to serve and care for those who have needs, to give generously of ourselves out of the overflow of your love in our lives, that we would be committed, that people would know that our relationships with them are not just for the sake of getting something from them, but because we are committed to love as Jesus loves. Father, this is our prayer. Lord, hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, we worship you. Thank you.
Let's sing this in response this morning to the compulsion of the love of Christ. There is no limit to your power. There is no stopping what you plan. You give us faith to move the mountain.